Welcome back to Everything Scary at 3 a.m. My name is John, and with me, as always, is the melodiously magnificent Mandy. Mandy! Mandy and uh, it's, it's a special day. It's super special. Oh my god, it's the specialest day ever! Oh, well... It's, it's no, it's special. It's, it's it is special. special. Yeah. Every every day before this was not as special as today because today is our fiftieth episode. Fifty, the big five zero. Would not have expected us to make it this far, really. Honestly, in fact, I didn't want to, but she kept hitting me until I kept talking. So, which you would think would be, wouldn't be that hard to do, but apparently it he is. He talks sometimes. a lot. Uh, a lot, but to to <laughs> to, to to signify this this. Uh, Momentous occasion. Momentous occasion. We're, we're going to go ahead and do something that we haven't done for a while, which is review two movies. We're doing a double episode. Two for, for y'all. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, we're, we're going to start out with something that's well known, something that is, is you know, seminal. Something that is one of those shows that you, you know and you love, which strangely, thinking back on it now, I don't think I've actually ever sat down and watched... All the way through, which freaks me the in hell a single out. time. That's well, crazy. no, I mean, like it would be on TBS. You'd watch it for like a little bit, and you'd stop. You'd move on to something else, or like you'd put it on for halfway. You'd get up, you start doing something else. Maybe later on, you'll watch the other half. No, that's not Stuff the way like that, that I work I, with movies. I, your, your ADHD kicked in hard. I, I don't know. It's just it's been a part of my life. It's like when somebody starts reading, you know, some kind of like, oh, well, here's The Dark Knight Returns. I'm like, well, I already know The Dark Knight Returns. I know the every story beat. I don't need to have, you know, somebody walk through and tell me about this. I was going to say the Bible, but I thought something that other people would be able to relate to would be a little easier too. But yeah, it's the same kind of concept. It's like, it's like going through, um, Maybe. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. You know the story beat, so you don't really feel like you need to do it. And, not only has this this movie been, you know, maybe we should actually cut <laughs> and split and put onto every single other show, TV series, anything like Huge that. Huge parodies of uh, it. Yeah, long parodies, parodies that are fully like the almost the length of the entire movie. So this, this explanation has been is super reviewed. Long. <laughs> it has been cut up. It has been parodied in so many different ways, but I've never actually watched the 1980. Uh, seminal classic of The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. The standing, so the Shining is actually what we're watching today. Yeah, that so was like a first one, I was trying to like. I know, I know you were trying to cut I it down, but I'm like, down, no, I, I have something to say now. I, I told you, you know, he talks. You a, hit me enough times. He talks I, a lot. I, it's coming out. He talks a lot. But uh, I, I just, I haven't watched this. Uh, I've, I've watched parts of it. I've seen. You know what the saddest part is? I've actually watched the entirety of the um, Stephen Weber. Uh, miniseries that they had come out for The Shining. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. But I've never actually sat down and watched The Whole Shining as far as I can remember. Now, I may have done it once or twice, but it was so long ago it's lost in the mists of time for me. But uh, it was interesting to go back and, and start kind of looking at some of the stuff. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, of course, directed this one. Uh, he of uh, Dr. Strangelove of 2001, of Full Metal Jacket and Clockwork Orange. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut uh, also did most of the work for AI before he died, handing it over to Steven Spielberg, which, eh. I actually like Eyes Wide Shut. Eh, I've, I've never watched that one. It's, it's crazy. I, I don't want to watch it just because I don't like Tom Cruise. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. I liked him, you know, it, and that was before... I saw Edge of Tomorrow, which I actually enjoyed him in. Yeah, that's a, and then Tropic Thunder, like around that time, and I was like, okay, you know, this is this is good. Was this is good? getting there. Was he in Tropic Thunder? He's the fat uh, oh, guy, yeah, 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 yeah. and 
and he does the whole get back time. And, yeah, yes, and that's funny. But like before that, before, Eyes Wide Shut, that was around the time that uh, he and Nicole he, Kidman were still together at that point. I think. Was he? I think I think, so. I think it was after that. I think this was like him jumping like an idiot on top of Oprah's couch kind of time uh, frame. No. If it wasn't, then by the time that I was allowed to watch it, because you know the password is Fidelio, and I didn't know that, uh, it turned out that it, he was a freaking nut job, and I didn't want to be like deal with that. Uh, but Stanley Kubrick, uh, interestingly enough, the the most like personal thing that I've ever heard of Stanley Kubrick was when he cooked Arthur C. Clarke a steak. They're having a conversation about two thousand one, and Arthur C. Clarke is writing this whole thing up, and I think it was the uh, the you know, collector's edition of, of 2001 where he's, he's going over all the stuff and he was talking to Stanley Kubrick about it and Stanley Kubrick's making a mistake. And that, compared to the way that I've seen him portrayed in every other medium, was the most like, oh, wow, that's this is a real person now to me. So I, I was really interested in watching The Shining again, so I'm, I'm happy we get to do it now. Uh, of course, the, the, the screenplay for uh, 2000, or not 2001, for The Shining that we're watching now, was written up by Stanley Kubrick and uh, Diane Johnson, who's best known as a, a, satir a satirical novelist. Satirical. Yeah, but uh, it's it's interesting to me because it's these are not people that you would expect to be like taking the helm over for a Stephen King book. Yeah, yeah, not at all. No, uh, it, I mean the other people involved in it definitely make sense. You've got Nicholas uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, you know Batman, Chinatown. Wolf, Mars Attacks, uh, Witches of Eastwick. Oh, Witches of Eastwick, yeah. Yeah, a whole bunch of other movies that mm -hmm. I could think of. Uh, you got Shelley Duvall, uh, which was funny because I started looking up like Shelley Duvall. I was like, well, what else has she been in? Uh, she was Olive Oil and Popeye. Yeah. Yeah, I uh -huh. was like, oh, wow. And then she was in Time Bandits for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then she's uh, like, I think she's the wife in Suburban Commando, which is the one with... Uh, <laughs> with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And then <laughs> she was in Roxanne, which is the one with uh, Steve Martin... And I don't remember the girl, but she was apparently really popular at that period of time. Uh, it's Cyrano de Bergerac, but it's uh, it's uh, Steve Martin being funny. He's got a big nose. Okay. Uh, it's a good one. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, and uh, Scatman Carruthers uh, is in it, which uh, I I like this guy because he, he plays... Uh, Who was he in the Aristocats? He was the Scat Cat. Really? He was the, yeah, he's the... Uh, the cat. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was Scat Cat. He was in the uh, the kick the can part for the the Twilight Zone movie. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. He was uh -huh. in this this show called Deadly Eyes, which was really funny because it's a Canadian movie that is set in like New York City, but it's like basically like rats have grown to an unusual size and are eating people. And it's a seventies movie, so they're like <laughs> they they're eating everybody. They're R O U S S. Yeah, well, they're actually dachshunds wearing like rat costumes. I mean, I guess that does make sense. Uh, and he was actually uh, Jazz. He's the uh, the voice for Jazz from the uh, cartoon, the G1 cartoons for Transformers. Oh, that's not, interesting. Not for the movie one. It was like, this seems like a cool place to kick it. And then they tore him in half. And I was like, okay. I'm okay with this because that was not Jazz. Jazz one of the, the few guys to make it through the damn, you know, getting nommed on by Unicron. And he gets torn apart first 10 seconds of the, the, you know, Michael Bay movie. Screw you. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and of course, Danny Lloyd, which uh, pretty much the only other thing that we're going to see him in, um, based on, on some of the stuff that uh, I've been able to look up on it, he's a private guy, but uh, the, the one other thing that he did was a, uh, a cameo in the movie that we're going to be watching up next on this one. Should we tell him what it is? 
in case you haven't figured it out yet, since we're doing The Shining first. And that's we're right, Rose you a... Red. We're watching Rose Red, guys. I didn't. No, I'm kidding. Oh, that's <laughs> another Stephen King movie that I. Uh, I actually, awful. I actually like that one. Uh, uh but we're. Uh, you know what? Just stick around. You'll figure it out. Yeah. If you haven't it, figured it out yet, you'll find out. If whenever you have, we're done with this part. go ahead and pause it. Reach out to us at esat3am.com, esat3am at gmail.com, or at esat3am on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, and, and let us know what you think it is. What what movie could possibly connect uh, with with The Shining? It's not that hmm. hard. It's not, hmm. it's not that stroking, difficult. Beard stroking sounds. Hmm. But uh, we're going to go ahead and pause it here. We're going to go ahead and check out The Shining. I'll, I'll finally have sat through the entire thing. And uh, we'll see if it's uh, if it's as good as the parodies make it. Uh, or if it's uh, something that I, I... Or if it's bad as Stephen King, you know, yeah, makes it who, out to who be. Yeah, who hates it. Stephen King hates, hates he, this He, he, he hates loves this the Stephen Weber episode. Which, you know, if, if this movie doesn't have walking topiary bushes and a uh, CGI biting uh, hose... Uh, that I just don't know what to do. It's just not not enough of what I, I was looking for. Uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick, you need to take another 187 takes this time. I'm not I'm not gonna spoil it. <laughs> All right, we'll see you in a second. See you soon. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970. I hired a man named Charles Grady as the winter caretaker. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family. Well, you can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. <laughs> that's right. Mom, they really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter. Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. The only thing that can get a bit trying up here during the winter is uh, the tremendous sense of isolation. Is there something bad here? I fear you will have to deal with this matter in the harshest possible way. What did I do? I killed you with Danny. You did this to me. Didn't you? I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Here's Johnny. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. So, if anybody had a question about what movie we're going to be watching next, that's right. After the the uh, the thing, I, I'm glad we gave you enough time. Uh, but it is going to be Storm of the Century. That's right, Storm of the Century, Shining. Put them together. Yep, just like peanut and chocolate. You know, it just works together. Kidding. It, it's actually uh, we're we're going to be watching Doctor Sleep. We will be watching Doctor <laughs> Sleep. That's that's true. Although, I mean, we could. Uh, watch, uh, I, I'm trying to think of it, Tommy Knockers, uh, or The Langoliers, or uh, or something else, you know, another Stephen King miniseries. Uh, we could watch The Other Shining, did, uh, did Stephen Weber. Did Tommy Knockers have a, a show? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it actually had uh, J- Jimmy Smith in it, I think. Huh. A, lot of, a lot of randos in it. Anyway, uh, so we just finished up The Shining, and, and really, what is there to say about this movie that hasn't been said by other people better than I have? Could probably come up with it. Maybe Mandy could 
pull something else out of her butt that I, I wouldn't be able to do. It's it's I mean, it's just a good movie. It's uh you know one of those films that's saved to the National Film Registry for you know cultural significance that kind of thing. It's it's really well done. And finally sitting through it, watching it all the way through, I realize. One, why it's so good, but two, yeah, I didn't really miss anything. No, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't. It's in fact, it was probably easier to watch in increments than it was to sit down and watch it all at the same time. It is. It has been so parodied by everybody in the entire world that I you, it's it's part of the cultural zeitgeist at this point. You just know the film. You know, you're sitting there. You you you're sitting there like, give me the bat, give me the bat. I'm just like remembering Simpsons doing it. So it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's funny. And uh, all Jack, all all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. That's repeatedly in so many different yeah. films and and everything else. But it's just because it's so great. It's left such a such an impression on people that you know how could you not? Which is so funny because I, so this is I have not read this book uh, by Stephen King. I just I never really gave a crap about it. <laughs> a lot of his early stuff, uh, Firestarter. Uh, Cujo, I'm not going to read it. I'm never going to read them. Uh, I started out l- reading Stephen King with um, the short stories, and I think Desperation was the first book. I've gone back a little bit to things like... Well, you've read The Gunslinger. Yeah, I mean, Gunslinger and, and stuff like that, but I, I you know, I don't I don't go to the first stuff. Just, eh, nah. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I first started reading whenever I was in um, a freshman. I think I was a freshman in high school whenever I first started reading Stephen King. Oh. And so I would just sit in the library in the corner and just read the books. I did Desperation, the the Desperation Regulators 2-pack. Yeah. Because they had them at Walden's Books. Oh. And I was like, so I was picking up Magic the Gathering novels. And oh. they didn't have any Magic the Gathering. No, it was right after the Apocalypse Saga came through. Just in case anyone's wondering how nerdy John and is. And they were like really trying to push Legends. And he's like, oh look, here's a Rakshasa named Jedi. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to read something else. And I was like, oh hey, $5 for uh, two packs." Shink, shrink-wrapped uh, version of Regulators, and, oh, that, that's got some crazy... Uh, artwork. Yeah, artwork on the dust jacket. Let me go ahead and take those. Was it the one with the teddy bear's head popping off? Uh, no. Way different. Yeah, it was the one that actually had the, um, it had, like, the, the little peephole to the other side that you could look at it. Huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've and it, it had the, the regular... I'll, I'll see if I can find it and Google it. If you have the ability to, you should Google it, because that, that you know, why not? It's a, sure. That's what, okay. Use your internet for something good today. Um, really, just to to kind of recap for people who haven't seen it all the way through, like I have. I mean, it's uh, a, it's gonna be a really quick recap. Yeah. They're basically in the hotel the entire fucking time. Uh, Jack Torrance is a alcoholic uh, who ex school teacher ex school teacher who's taking his family uh, with him to a five month stint at the Overlook Hotel. Uh, the hotel he's going to be the caretaker for it uh, for that period of time. Uh, his child uh, has uh, Danny the, Torrance has the shining. Has the shining. He's he's a telepath. Um, he shines. In other Stephen King works, they kind of explain it. it's just it's the generic. His his version of telepathy is like the telepathy that you would get from Anthony Hopkins' character in Hearts in Atlantis, but not the telepathy that you would get from just somebody having telepathy like the characters from Doom McKee. It's it's special telepathy. It's it's breaker telepathy, so you can break the beams with it kind of stuff. Um, if you don't know what the beams are... Google. Gunslinger. Yep. Uh, so, uh, d- unfortunately, there's uh, maliciousness inside of the hotel. It causes Jack to go insane. 
Uh, he eventually tries to murder his family. Uh, the uh, cook uh, who explained The Shining to Danny is killed, uh, which does not happen in the books because you actually have a, a fair amount of Dick Halloran talking to Danny after the whole incident. So it sucks, but if you watch the movie, it's really well done. Scatman Carruthers gets just chopped in the... Just just taken out and and it's it's a good thing the whole movie since you know this the plot you can kind of watch the beats you know what's going to happen so you can actually pay attention to other things that are going on uh one of my favorite parts is just watching jack nicholson's face and that was oh my, my gosh he's he's so like emotional in this movie like there there it is it is obvious i was telling john it is obvious the reason why uh tim burton would want him to play the joker mm-hmm. in batman he's just fucking fantastic he plays crazy so so well but see on the flip side of that i can definitely see why uh they stephen king didn't like it too much because you're not really watching jack torrance you know ex-alcoholic who loves his family go slowly insane you're watching jack nicholson be jack nicholson at jack nicholson people who don't want to deal with jack nicholson it's jack nicholson like, that's the whole time you're seeing it's just Jack Nicholson's. You're not seeing Jack Torrance. You're seeing Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Which is good and bad. In this movie, it's very, very good. If it were a book, it wouldn't be that good. My my biggest issue was, uh, if you're watching at the very beginning, you're seeing the way that Jack is interacting with uh, Danny. There is absolutely no familial connection there. Yeah, he he doesn't play dad very well. No, there's um, there is nothing going on with that. You're like, oh, okay, eh. yeah, like he's just he's he just seems like a douchebag, like like a douchebag dad. Like he's pissed off that the child is that close to him. He looks like Picard does in the first two seasons of TNG. Whenever a child would come on, it's like, oh god, get it away! <laughs> Throw it through the torpedo tubes right now, number one. Oh God! It was just engage. That was definitely. I feel like the 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 mother the mother son um, characters, which are Shelley Duvall and then um, Danny Danny something. What's Trejo? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Danger. That would be a hell of a lot more that, interesting. That would be way more like, interesting. Just a machete all the way out there. Uh-huh. Uh, Danny Lloyd. Yes. Okay. There you go. So so Shelley Duvall and Danny Lloyd's character they're believable as a um, mother and son. Um, Shelley Duvall, uh, it's so, I think it's so difficult for me to like her character in this movie because I am the complete opposite of her. Um, I don't like Shelley Duvall in most movies. Like most movies that I've seen her in, she's just such a, a milk toast wash. Wait. Just, I hate it. She's I just, just, she's just very, uh, uh, you just, as a, as a strong woman, it is really, really difficult for me to watch a movie where somebody doesn't stand up for themselves, where, um, you, you know, like in this movie, um, it's established that Jack Nicholson, um, that Jack's character, um, dislocated Danny's arm whenever he went on a drunken rage, apparently, and pulled his arm out of his socket. And she's still there and she's defending him. And I know that this is, a, that unfortunately this is a thing that, um, especially with abusive couples and stuff like that, it's something that happens wherever the woman feels like she has to justify the actions of her husband. And it makes me so angry because that's bullshit. Like, that is just complete bullshit. And, um, you know, and she's like, oh, and, you know, he's been he's been sober for five months. Well, 
it's been three years. Like Jack Jack says later, it's been three years since he pulled his son's arm out of its socket, which means that he was still drinking. So that is a whole thing that pisses me off. It was, it, it's just, it's very hard for me to like Shelley Duvall's character. And that's what it all goes back to. And that may have just been, you know, weirdness with the... the Timelines, yeah. maybe? Yeah, maybe? maybe it was continuity issues or I something like that. Ah, but it, it still felt odd. Yeah, it um, was just, it was, it was hard for me to like her character because... As a strong woman. <laughs> and see, this is kind of the problem with this movie is we can only think of the things that detract from it because you cannot assail this mountain of good. It is a great movie. The The cinematography is magnificent, as Kubrick would normally do. The The acting was great. You you are afraid for Shelley Duvall inside of that tiny you know bathroom while Jack Nicholson is punched through it. Jack Nicholson is great as a crazy guy with an axe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the fact that the way that he dies is just by being crazy and stuck inside of a, a maze. That's hilarious. What other you know bad guy in any kind of horror just dies from exposure? Yeah, I can't think with, of another with, with his little eyeballs. Just yeah, just uh, you know you don't you don't think about it. Um, you know, the weird ghosts, like, and, and something Amanda brought up with me, too, was, yeah, why was the dog face guy blowing the other dude? Like, I'm going to have to look that up to see if there's, like, some sort of significance in that. Because yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense Maybe it's completely explained in the book, but even then, I mean, because it is Stephen King, so he has that shit happen sometimes. But still, I don't... Now I need to see if that's in the book. It might be. I mean, I, I know it's not too much in the, uh, the, the Doctor Sleep, which is... I did watch that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, kind of just this one, we're going to go ahead and hold off our ratings on, on this one because you can't really rate this one until we, we get to Dr. Sleep. But we are going to go ahead and get to that because Dr. Sleep, it, it, it's been a movie that I've been wanting to watch. It just came out a little while ago, and it's, it seems interesting. Let me go ahead and pull up the information here for it. Um, written directed by Mike Flanagan, who we know pretty well from the stuff that he's done. If you ever get a chance, go ahead and look up the Oculus review that uh, uh, I think it was Good Bad Flicks did for him. Uh, the the stuff that he did to just get that movie made is fascinating. Uh, but he also has made uh, Oiji, uh, Origin of Evil, and a lot of episodes of The Haunting of Hill House. I don't know if all, he did all, all of them. All of all them. them. Yeah, all that's of his show. And it's So, you know, he knows horror, at least. Haunting of Hill House is freaking amazing because even john sat there and watched the entire thing and that is a lot because... i was i was just entranced by the whole thing the the thing that got me the most and i i will say that it was because it's it's a very subtle thing but it was also something that was just like what the hell was uh the big guy who was like floating but still had the, the Little cane, cane yeah himself yeah that was so <laughs> creepy <laughs> so creepy it was so freaking good and that's why i'm really excited about dr sleep because i knew that he was going to be doing it and man, I freaking love that guy. He's so cool. I want to see what they did because this is, like I said, this is one of the movies that I've I've read the book already. Uh, so I'm going to be kind of interested in to see how they're going to mesh because the way the Stephen King Shining is versus the way um, this is, it's it's like the actual Shining movie. It's it's interesting to see how they're going to kind of put that together because people do not remember the book, The Shining. Uh, where the, the boiler is the thing that blows up and he kills people with a croquet mallet. People remember, you know, Jack Nicholson running with around in a maze with an axe. So is, this is going to be an interesting thing to see. Uh, it is starring Ewan McGregor, uh, he of the Star Wars and the Train Spotting. Ewan? Uh, Ewan? 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 What did I say? Ian? 
I don't care. <laughs> I I remember <laughs> him I when he was in Train Spotting. Uh, it's also uh, the guy who played the uh, Cardinal and Angels and Demons. Uh, he was uh, Christopher Robin in the Christopher Robin movie. So this is gonna be fun because this was this is just around the Christopher Robin time. So maybe he's gonna be doing like a big fish, you know, kind of feel to it. Oh, or... big fish! I love that movie so uh, much. It's also got Rebecca Ferguson. She's gonna be the uh, the whatever the Rose, whoever friggin' she's the main antagonist. She's uh she's from the the Life movie, uh, the twenty seventeen one that takes place in space. The one with Ryan Reynolds? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. She's also in the, the Mission Impossible movies. She's a uh, Rogue Nation Fallout. The I think that she's going to be in the next one, too. Uh, she was also in 2014's Hercules. The one with The Rock. I think. Wow. It was something like that. It was. It, I think he either did that or he did, like, Cole. There was, there was, like, a... They made... Yeah, you get that confused look on your face because you're like, I have no idea, and yet nobody remembers that movie. Yeah. Yeah. There was a Hercules? There was a Hercules movie that came out in 2014. Huh. Yeah. I always think of, um... It was like when... Conan. Remember? No, no, not Conan. Uh, no, Conan, Conan came out too. Yeah. yeah, the one with Jason Momoa? I, I guess. Uh, there was also uh, that Ben-Hur movie that came out. Yeah, I don't remember that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then we got... Uh, Kylie Curran. Uh, she is the uh, the little one. She's going to be playing, and which is not going to be fun for her because this, uh, she, from what I've seen, pretty much what she's done, and she's, she's a kid, so I'm not going to, like, blame her too much, but she was, uh, she was in the stage show. She played young Nala in the 20, uh, in 2015 as the part of the Broadway show for, um. Oh, that's cool. For Lion King. Now she's breaking into, you know, acting. Uh, which is good, but this is, um, from what I remember from the, the book, this was a tough character to do, so it'll be interesting to see how they mesh this with McGregor, with what they're doing with supposed to be Danny Torrance. In the book, from what I remember, Danny Torrance is like an alcoholic. He's gone to become an alcoholic, you oh, know, which he never wanted, never wanted to be, but he, he became that. And then he, he stops for a while, but he also, he has to, like, he sees ghosts or helps people, like, pass over. He reminds me, the character always reminded me, and the problem was, was it he kind of looks like him, of Stark from Farscape. Where he just, I'm going to help you move on. And then, you know, crazy shit would happen. Oh, God, you're so nerd. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, it's also got uh, Emily uh, Allen Lind, uh, who was the little girlfriend uh, who lived across the way from Babysitter. Oh, okay. In, in Babysitter? In Babysitter. Okay. Yep, well, our first, oh, our yes, first yes, review. Yes, yes, so yes. tying it all back together. Tying it all back together. Babysitter was our first one. Yep. God, that was fifty shows ago. Yep. Holy well, a little, holy. little bit more, just because we did, uh, we did that one extra special one, which we may do extra special ones, or we just add them into the movie. Who knows? Who knows how we're gonna be doing this after fifty? Fifty was the, uh, the benchmark. We're gonna go see how, how crazy we can get after this. Yeah, we're gonna uh, throw all kinds of new stuff at y'all. It's also got uh, Cliff Curtis in it. Cliff Curtis is one of my favorite actors, just because the movies that he's in are the garbage that I love. Uh, he is in Deep Rising. He uh, plays the um, one of the, the the bad guys. He's in Virus. I think he plays the Minoan guy. Hmm. Uh, he's in Three Kings. I want to say he's the 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 guy who keeps telling people my man. He's like, what are you doing here, my man? You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, never. Um, he's the the cra- one of the crazy never guys from Sunshine uh, when they're gonna drop the nuke into the sun to restart it. Cool. Never saw that. Either. Anyway, so that's that's the kind of movies I loved. Um, we also got uh, Carol oh, Stricken. Yeah, uh, we've got Mr. Holm uh, from TNG and Lurch from the Adams Family movies. They're the '90s Adams Family movies in this one too. And I think he plays just kind of a big character as one of the uh, the, the true not folks who are basically vampires in this one. 
I don't know. It'll be huh. interesting to see. Cool. They're okay. they're like pain vampires, psychic vampires. Uh, well, you know, I love yeah. Adam's family, so. So I'm actually excited to see how this is gonna go. What are, What are you thinking about this? Do you think it's gonna be good? Do you think it's gonna be? I I think I've heard that it's a good movie. So hopefully it's hopefully it's good. I'm wondering if this is gonna be a Pet Cemetery 2018, 2017. Okay, well let's hope it's not that. Mr. Fleshy Lips, trying to screw everything up. First of all, I really like that actor, but regardless, like that's yeah. Never mind. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go watch it. Okay. <laughs> Let's go ahead and, and pause it here, uh, and then we'll we'll do a little review of Doctor Sleep, and then we'll go ahead and do the comparison afterwards and give you our our numbers. Yeah. yeah. See you in a bit. Be right back. When I was a kid, there was a place, a dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that live there. They come back. Not many ride the bus this far north. You're running away from something. For myself, I guess. Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils, they'll eat what hands. And they've noticed that little girl. Wow, hi there. Get out of my head! Get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. There's a place. You sure you want to do this? I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear. And then I will find you. And you will scream for years. That's how this was gonna go. Well, so again, I've read the book, so I'm gonna let you talk about it uh, and give it from the perspective of the the actual movie going audience. Like now, if I hadn't read the book, maybe I would have I'd be a little bit more enthusiastic. But because I did and I saw the differences that were made, um, it's it's a little weird. Uh, a lot of good performances, I will say though, from, from pretty much everybody. Um, I will say, Ian McGregor was kind of just. But that's kind of how he is in in pretty much everything lately. It was it, this was like a Moulin Rouge, Ewan McGregor at I least for some of them. Hey, it was, it was just soft. Did. 
This was not train spotting. But uh, anyway, um, I'm gonna let you talk about it. So this was an interesting movie. It's uh, years later we get to see Dan Torrance um, in Miami of all places, talking to uh, Dick Halloran, who is dead in this version. Um, he explains uh, some of the Shining to Dan uh, because the lady from 237 is, is still coming after Dan. Uh, so he creates a box for them. Uh, apparently all of the spirits from the Overlook kept coming after him for years. Uh, and he kept putting them in these boxes in his mind. Uh, and, you know, continued on with his life by putting, you know, the spirits into these boxes. Unfortunately, uh, the rest of his life did not go so well. He ends up being an alcoholic because it reminds him of his dad, I think, as he explains it uh, to the AA group. Um... He becomes kind of a drifter. We see him going through some pretty bad shit. Not as bad as the, the book, thankfully, but still, still pretty bad. Still pretty rough times, though. Um, then we get... Uh, he finally makes it to Fraser, New Hampshire, I think? I think, yeah. Something like that. Something it's like Fraser that. is what it's, it's called. Um, meets a guy named Billy, who is the, uh, the guy from uh, Virus and uh, Deep Rising. So that was cool to have him in there. Uh, there, you know, it's basically he's got to get it uh, himself sorted out. Um, and he does. He actually does okay with that for about eight years. He uh, becomes an orderly at a hospice. Uh, while in the hospice, he is helping people pass through to the next life. I think it's what he's doing is is putting them in a dream of their last, like their their happy moments or something like that. So that Some way kind they of, can pass peacefully. Yeah. Um, and, and they call him Doctor Sleep. Yep. That's what he's known as. Uh, interspersed with this is a, uh, we get to know a girl named Abra, um, who is massively more powerful than Dan was. She's a psychic of, of enormous potential. Um, but <laughs> she, uh, she's she got a lot of power uh, to the point where you know she lifts uh, all the spoons uh, inside of the house. She plays a piano from upstairs. Without, While she's sleeping. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, and she starts to connect with Dan through a chalkboard that he has up on um, the wall. Well, we're also introduced to the villains, uh, a group called the True Knot. Uh, K-N-O-T. Knot, yes. Uh, so what they are is um, psychic vampires, basically. What they do is they, they take children, because uh, children with the shine, uh, and they torture them. Uh, while these these children are tortured, they release a gas, uh, which is either their life force, I their essence, like, yeah. their psychic power gets released or something like that. Uh, and they breathe it in, uh, keeping them living for a long time. One of the cute things was they had, um, I always, I'm just going to call him Mr. Home because that's, that's how I know him, the, the big tall guy, um, as the, the grandpa uh, who is the oldest member of them. Uh, funny thing is with him, he is uh, short and tiny in the, the book and, and very just like rascally and angry. Reminds me a lot more of like an evil Master Roshi than, uh, you know, this guy that they had in there. But still good. Uh, we are, we don't get a whole lot of information about the, the rest of the True Knot. There's a lot more expanded in the book, but we do get to meet uh, Maggie or Aggie? Something that... Aggie? Yeah, snake bite, Maddie, snake bite, Aggie, something like that. Uh, she is uh, what you they call a pusher. Now I don't know if this follows the push doctrine. You have uh, you know pushers, obscures, whatever the hell. But uh, they have 
the true knot has apparently met enough psychics to be able to uh, differentiate psychics into different groups. This one uh, has the capability of... Pushing people to do what she wants. Influencing them um, with her mind. Uh, and uh, very much like um, the Purple Man from uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, or uh, there's a couple of them that are like that in, in fiction. But uh, it's just, I tell you what to do and you suddenly want to do it. Um, she does this by, like, tricking men into doing it. She hates men. So I don't know what happened with that. I can't remember enough of the book so, to give a crap about it. So the men that she's the men that she's meeting and and oh she pushing. is fifteen by the way. So that's that was the weird thing. She was like meeting like dudes and then pushing and then scarring them in the face. Yeah, because she was trying to to find perverts, so she would punish perverts. Um, she joins the true knot by they release the a stored amount of gas uh, that she breathes in, and apparently that makes kills her. Yeah, and then brings her back. They're they're psychic vampires. Um, if they they don't feed enough, they they become weaker. Now, one of the changes that they did in the book uh, to this one was that oh well, you know if you l eat well, then you'll live long. I didn't say that you would live forever. In the book, they would theoretically live forever if they continued to eat. Uh, the problem was was that they are running through a dry spell, which is why they want to find. Um, somebody of Danny or Abra's caliber to to absorb. So that way they can live even longer. Yep. So um, so Abra sees this boy that they torture and kill. She sees them in her mind. And um, she decides to reach out to Dan. Um, so that way she can get help. So she tells him that the boy with the baseball baseball bat baseball hat mm -hmm. baseball glove something like that that baseball he glove. he he dies um she does more research finds him uh actually goes to dan jumps on a bus goes to fraser wherever he is and then and then finds him and he tells her to just stop shining like just avoid all avoid it at all costs avoid these people they're bad people and just stay low and It'll blow over, you know, like just to hide, basically. Because that's kind of how it worked with the Overlook ghosts. Was he, he left him alone, then they would leave him alone. Unfortunately, that didn't work well for her. Abra, yeah. yeah. Abra was like, hell no, I'm not going to just do that. They are going to hunt her down. So they, uh, she's finally able to convince uh, Dan to, uh, uh, to, to go out. Uh, Dan takes Billy. They all go out to Ohio or something like that. Uh, to find the dead boy, they find his baseball glove, and then they bring it back to Abra. But this is after she tricks, she tricks her though. Uh, it was an interesting thing to see because um, Rose tries to to like mind meld and find her and start rifling through all of her memories. Uh, if you have watched uh, Dreamcatcher, uh, this is it feels like a callback to that uh, because um, it's it's very much the the warehouse full of files. Uh, but she, oh, it was, it was actually fairly nasty. She um, basically gloves, like degloves her or whatever, right? Is that what they call it? Kind of, like... they peel the skin off, yeah. So what she does is that she slams her hand inside of a file cabinet and Rose freaks out enough to pull her hand out and like almost peels it out. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, it was so bad. It was, ugh. It was, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting, um, scene though man he did such a good job like i really really liked mike flanagan it was well done and and the the scenes were amazing and you know at this point we're not seeing a whole lot of the we're, we're getting bits and pieces and stuff but it hasn't gone full um you know uh, nostalgia trip for people who've just watched the uh the the shining the shining 
So it's um it's interesting to see because this is this is very much a kind of a weird fun setup that they're setting up. Uh, one of the guys who plays Crow Daddy actually is uh, the guy from you'd recognize him in Bone Tomahawk as the Native American guy who is showing them where uh, their people don't go kind of thing. Uh, and he also is the guy in Longmire. Uh, so I'm, I, I love seeing this guy because he's actually a fairly good actor. Uh, he and a couple other ones decide to go, since since Rose is freaked out and she... Is hurt. Is hurt. He takes the rest of them to So he takes the whole her. clan. Yeah, so he takes the whole clan, leaves Rose behind, and um, the whole, whole clan goes, um, Ewan McGregor, D- Danny, and then um, his friend Billy and Abra all set up this whole plan to 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 kill them all basically um and it works like it works really really good right on up until and abra's not actually there she's there in her mind so so basically what they do is they they pull a ride along with her um they have her hook into danny so danny is projecting a a a version of of her so they take her to like a park uh where the the whole knot shows up uh and is like we're gonna knock her out and they uh, catch them in a crossfire. And they kill all of them. And it is so mm. glorious to watch because fuck all those people. The interesting thing to see these people die is uh, they uh, cycle. And they, they did a good job w- w- with the explanation for cycling in the book. Um, they just basically flash back and forth until they poof into to steam. The interesting thing that they do in this one, though, is to show how ravenous and, and greedy these, these vampires are. Um, in... In the book, they would just disappear. In this, they poof into steam and immediately, like, it's a feeding frenzy. Like, these things, it doesn't matter who these people who are, you know, you knew them for XYZ amount of time. No, it's we're going to eat, you know, because the steam is here. It was was interesting to see that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I thought that was a good bit. And it also kind of shows that they are are, are animals at this point. So you you don't feel conflicted when you see them get shot in the fucking head. Oh, like damn glorious uh unfortunately we lose billy in this point uh because uh the snake girl snake bite maddie whatever the hell uh pushes him to blow his own brains out yeah um, that was really sad that was a that was a sad bit uh and then abra gets um taken out by crow yeah so, so she is, you know she gets um injected with some sleeping whatever um Dan sees this, and then... Abra's, Abra's dad gets killed trying to defend her, and then uh, Crow daddy takes uh, Abra away. Yeah, and then Dan comes, Dan sees the dead dad, um, and then he reaches out to Abra. He can't because she's has the sleeping medicine in her, and it, and it stops her steam. Yep. So her, her shine, it stops it. Um, it's at that point he, he goes back to his um, apartment, and he's about to drink... It's a fairly good part where he's sitting there and he, he wants to drink. He really wants to drink, but he doesn't. So it was a, it was a good kind of concept. And then he, uh, instead of uh, broadcasting, he starts listening, trying to find her, and he's able to connect to her. That way. That way. Yeah. And then he um, he ends up, you know, telepathing into the van where she is, and he ends up taking her body over, kind of like a possession. Um, and so he ends up taking her, her body over, and so he starts talking to Crow, and he's like, man... I haven't had a fucking hangover in like a long time and I don't miss it. And 
obviously it's at this point that Crow's like, okay, this is obviously not a kid because mm-hmm. they're talking about hangovers. So um, he says, well, you know, who, who are you? They have banter back and forth, and it's it's really interesting to, to do it because she's doing a good job at a, aping a, 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 a adult yeah. person way of talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very um, snarky. Yeah. Her way of talking is very snarky. Especially, like, I think, though, the my issue is is that at this point, we haven't seen a whole lot of snark out of uh, Torrance, at the, you know? So seeing her get a little snarky with the guy, especially, um, she is like, oh, yeah, no, arrogance. Arrogance, yeah, I know it's just arrogance, you know. See, you think you're gonna live forever, so why would you? Why buckle... would you possibly uh, buckle your seatbelt? Yep. And then she force grabs the hold of the um... the steering wheel, smashes into a tree. Sorry, sends him out, and like, yeah, shoot, you know, shoots him out the the windshield. Yep. It, was, it was glorious, and so she, you know, he's snarling and everything else like that, and she gets knocked out for a second, which means that Jack gets knocked back into his apartment, and he's no longer um, Dead. P- possessing her. I guess what did I say? The Jack. Oh, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so Dan is, you know, no longer possessing her. And so she gets out and she says, I really hope that hurts. And it was, the interesting thing is, is it, the, the people who go down do not go down like quietly or slowly. Um, and it, it looks painful mm-hmm. and it should be because these things are monsters. So you have no problem with but catharsis. She was, so. but, but she was making it more painful for him though. Because uh, she was pushing on him that it would be painful. No, she was just hoping that it was. Because it, it happened to everybody on there. Okay. But it's, and it's, it's, um, it, it was interesting to see. At this point, they realize that Rose is going to be con- uh, coming after them. So Dan picks her up uh, and takes her back to the Overlook Hotel, uh, which starts lighting up uh, with Dan inside of there. He keeps her outside, but he runs over to the, the boiler, starts fiddling with it, starts messing around with a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, to get things kind of started started out. Mm-hmm. And then um, he ends up going to the bar, uh, which is where he sees Jack Torrance, who is now the bartender named Lloyd. So, I think I think Lloyd was the, the bartender in the other one, too, yeah. Yeah, Lloyd was the bartender in The Shining. Yeah. Um, so it was it was interesting. And, and another thing that I, I like about Mike Flanagan is that he's, usually, he's using a lot... You'll notice that a lot of the actors who play in The Haunting of Hill House um, are in this movie. Like, a lot. A lot of them. So the dad is in this movie. Um, Nellie, whenever she was young, the little kid, she's in this movie. Um, oh my gosh, what's his, what's his name? The um, the neighbor, the old neighbor, he's in this movie. There, I, I like the fact that he kind of, it seems like he kind of sticks with the same actors. They're very good actors, so it was good casting on his part for sure um but i really like that and of course me and john usually can pick out people um so it was it was fun for me to be able to do that but i really like the acting choices that they picked for this movie so the the jack torrance character who's in the bar scene who now who's now lloyd um is the dad from the haunting of hill house um it's actually not jack nicholson which i thought was interesting um, well, I mean, you couldn't pay Jack Nicholson to do that, you know. Like, I at mean, least that, his that, voice, though. That would like, be a chunk of, of cash, though. I mean, at least his voice or something. He sounds but... a little bit different now. Uh, yeah, I guess he is. A I mean, is it, but I mean, they could have tried the the de aging thing, but this is not like. I mean, uh, Jack Nicholson's a temperamental guy now because you know he he can be. He's he's got a lot of money, uh, so. Yeah, I can understand why they didn't get him. Um, they the guy that they got was pretty spot on. 
Uh, he looked a lot like him. Didn't sound like him. Didn't look enough like him. It was that kind of uncanny, uh, uncanny valley kind of thing because it was so close to being Jack Nicholson 1980 that it was like, oh, that's that's him. Wait, no, it's not. So you just started noticing the the background. Um, they have this cute little heart to heart where Danny's trying to talk to him the whole time. The whole time uh, Jack is is in the Lloyd persona until. I guess he breaks through on he him. He hits a nerve, yeah. Yeah, because it, it pisses him off. Like, he drinks, and then he tries to hand Jack... Uh, Jack tries to hand Danny a, uh, another bottle of... Uh, another Jack, another Jack Daniels. Another glass. Of, yeah. yeah, Jack Daniels. And then he, like, flings it across the room because he's super angry. And then he's, like... He gets pulled back into the Lloyd persona. He's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. Here, let's go get you cleaned up. And then he talks to him in the restroom, just like in The Shining. The the interesting thing that was done with this was that they actually have him switch over from wearing the maroon coat uh, and tails that the the bartender would wear inside of the um, the the bartending area of the the overlook from the the, the Shining, the first Shining, uh, to the the tails of the waiter the staff, co- the, the coat waiter staff. Tails. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the tuxedo with the coattails. Um, so he, he's, you know, he's trying to talk, uh, and, and it sounds very, very similar to the conversation that Jack Nicholson had in The Shining uh, with the old caretaker, how he's like, you know, she's a problem, you know, and trying to convince him to kill her. Well, the house is still trying to do the same thing with Dan and Abra. So, um, you know, he's like, she's dragging you into her mess and all kinds of other stuff. And, you know, you should just bring her in here and then we can take care of her. Um so it's at that point that Abra reaches out to Dan and Abra says she's coming. So Rose, um, what, what do they call her? Rose the Hat? Rose the Hat. Yeah, she just she just shows up and then she, she kind of does a little walkabout of the place. The interesting part to me is that the they recreate the, the elevator full of blood scene and Rose is like, huh. She just has a, like a big like, oh, well that was weird. And then she walks away. And I, I thought that was interesting because that doesn't phase her. Like what would horrify somebody else didn't phase her. Oh, my thing was, it's like, well, that's kind of weird. Like I would have been at least just kind of like, huh, not, okay. You know, just, it, it was a weird little I like, think look. It, I think it showed how evil she was by that. But uh, I guess. Um, so. They end up in the writing room at that point. They end up in the writing room. Um, Rose the Hat at this point has still not seen Danny. Uh, Dan and uh, he's standing there with an axe with Abra behind him and at that point you know some banter goes on and then Dan Dan Shining kicks in Dan and Abra's Shining kicks in and they send her to the maze they send Rose the Hat to the maze and um, she thinks that she's still in Abra's mind so this entire time like she's running through the maze after Abra Abra's like cutting her behind her legs which is just painful and um, she catches Abra, and so she thinks that she has her, and she says, you know, just because you changed your mind up a little bit, and she says, wait, we're not in your mind, and she wasn't. She was in um, Dan's mind. Dan was trying to shove her into a box, which I thought was kind of cute, because even uh, early on, uh, D- uh, Dick Halloran t- said, you can only put things that are uh, from the Overlook in the box, not um, memories was one of them. So I don't know if what he would have been able to do with a, you know, like a fully sentient creature like that, but it would have been interesting to see. Well, considering they were the same kind of beings that she was, I mean, I think I think it could have worked, but either way, she stops it because she realizes that it's in his mind instead of Abra's. So she snaps out of it, um, 
they recreate the stairwell scene uh, wherever um, Jack is coming up for Wendy on the stairs and he's like, I'm just going to bash your fucking brains in. They did a really good job on it. Because she has her hands up at one point like how Jack Torrance did whenever um, like, Wendy me, was threatening him with the bat. bat. Give it a bat. Give yeah, it was, oh, it was really, it was really good. And, um, he f- ends up, he ends up, do- he does hit her with an axe. Um, she pulls it out and then smacks him right in the thigh, which I guess caught his femoral artery. Um, throws him down the stairs. She's eating his essence or his, um, what do they call it? Steam. Steam, yeah. She's, she's shoving her thumb inside the axe wound to, like, to squeeze the hurt. steam out. Yeah. Uh, which they don't normally eat the steam from older people because that's polluted at that point but she thinks it tastes like whiskey well unfortunately she also while reaching at him i don't know what kind of power she has but she does reach into his mind uh and finds the boxes and so she's like what's in those boxes is something that you're hiding and so she keeps pushing him and he's like it's not something i'm hiding it's how does he say it is uh it's it's something about like not secrets it's like they're not they're not uh, secrets. They're starving, and he opens up all the boxes, and... and all the ghosts from the Overlook Hotel come out, and they all eat her, like um, all of her steam and everything like that. So they're basically vampires, the the psychic vampires, or whatever. The exact same thing that she was, except I guess it's just the Overlook Hotel in general that's the psychic vampire, and then all those people that died and everything else like that there are now all a part of the psychic vampire thing and and it was interesting to see abba runs away she sees a lot of the uh the ghosts that we've seen previous we get uh the twins uh one of the bartenders uh the uh the previous uh lloyd i guess his name is yeah lloyd or whatever or no the caretaker the previous yeah it's it's something like that the previous caretaker to it and he's like it's a great party isn't it i was like yes have some uh but uh she (laughs) runs into 237 there's the creepy old lady dan finds her because he's he's walking around like jack uh and uh she's able to to kind of btdfo out of that uh the the gestalt that has become dan and the overlook and all the 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 creatures inside of it um it's at this point that she's like we gotta get the hell out of here uh, oh no i've gotta save you says dan no black blah 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 um, turns out he cranked up the uh, the boilers high enough to explode. Yeah, so the boilers are exploding. He runs down, or the house runs down yeah, while he's uh, possessing Dan. Yeah, so uh, basically she runs out the door, and uh, Dan, you know, gets re reindwelt by the the spirits. Yeah, so he goes down there to the boiler, tries to turn it off. He stops the house from from doing it. Um, lays down because he looks like he's dying. Like obviously, like his artery got cut like he's bleeding out and um it's at that point he sees his mom in front of him and he's a small boy again and um the house goes up like or the overlook hotel goes up in flames and she's standing outside and then it it slowly fades out sirens are coming because somebody called the cops i guess um so sirens are coming and everything and it's at that point that she, uh, Abra starts to talk again, and she says, you know, and I could hear the house screaming, but something told me that you were okay. And she's talking to Dan, but Dan's dead. Dan's now a ghost. Um, the same way that Dan was talking to Dick Holleran at the beginning of the movie is the same way that he's talking to Abra. Um, and he tells Abra, he says, you know, don't, you know how I told you to hide? Don't hide anymore because 
you know, there's more people and there's going to be worse people and don't hide your, your gifts anymore. And so her mom comes in and she says, Hey, who are you talking to? And she says, Oh, nobody. And then she, she realizes I'm not supposed to hide anymore. And she says, Hey, I was talking to Dan and I just want you to know that everything's okay. Things, 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 move on. Thing, things go on. Go like, and daddy's, da- happy daddy's, too. daddy's okay too. And her mom is, you know, it, it that's good. It was kind of emotional. And, um, and then she says, hey, are you coming down for dinner? She says, yeah, I'll be there in a second. And so she turns and there is the creepy woman from 237 or whatever in the bathtub. And so she walks in there and she closes the door because she's totally going to, you know, put that lady in a box or a filing cabinet. In a cardboard box. She's going to live in a box. Um, so my thing about this one is is the differences. That, and it's, it's kind of poison for me because I... I, I read the book, and the book is very different. Now, I'm going to mention a couple of different things just to kind of kind of get you. I really suggest reading the book. Uh, watch the movie first because we watched the director's cut, uh, and it's it's a decently well-done movie. I like that a lot of the special effects were amazing. But in the, the book, what happens is uh, we get a couple other characters. Uh, the characters in this movie, you know, here's, here's the spoiler alert for you. The, the characters don't die. No characters die. Uh, none of the good characters, at least. Uh, Danny survives, uh, so does his friend. Um, they have to deal with a couple of things. Uh, there are a lot more of the true dot, lots and lots of them. What happens is, is uh, for the, the climax, in the original book, the Overlook exploded, uh, which was really kind of funny because if you watch the scene with Ewan McGregor dying and then you watch the, like, the miniseries version of The Shining... It was very much like that. Uh, it's it's got um, uh, Stephen Weber like not. I hope I'm saying it's Stephen Weber. It's, it turns out to be it's, it's a different guy. It's, it's Weber. I know that guy. The guy from Wings uh, tries to reach for the thing and then he stops himself uh, for the the release valve for, for the boiler. Uh, so he stops himself. Uh, so it's very much like that. It was it was really interesting on that. Um, Dick Halloran doesn't die, so he talks to him for another about six months before he dies. Dick doesn't. I don't. He doesn't come back too much. He, he only comes back once uh, after uh, uh, Danny after he dies uh, to to tell Danny about shit. Um, we the, what happens with the True Knot is they're dying because of the they they ate the last boy and he had the measles and somehow that got transferred over. So it starts killing them off like crazy. But they believe that if they can take a new infusion of steam, Abra in particular. Uh, that they'll they'll be able to get stronger. Uh, they do pretty much the same thing. They they get her out. They take her away and all this other kind of stuff. And then they decide that they have to to um, the the good guys decide that they have to uh, save her. Uh, so or not to save her, but to to kill off Rose and the rest of the uh, the True Knot before they they get to anything. The True Knot, however, is in Colorado, in a campground that is in the area of where the Overlook Hotel used to be. Um, it's interesting to, cause, cause it's, it done got blowed up. So what, uh, Dan does is, uh, he goes to Aber's grandmother who is mentioned in the movie, but not really that much. Uh, and she is dying. Uh, so she basically like he holds on to her essence all the way down to Colorado and then releases it into the building where the, uh, the, the true knot, cause they're hanging out in like some kind of big lodge or something like that. And he releases that and some of the other ghosts and stuff like that. And it tears them apart. 
just destroys them like all over the goddamn place. Oh, so I, would like really, to see I know that. it was yeah, super badass. Cool. Uh, well, there's like this large watchtower, and Rose is is the only one to survive. So she starts choking Dan, uh, and then she gets conked in the head by a croquet mallet, which in oh, the original yeah. one turns out Jack Torrance was there, and he is still a spirit and he's still stuck. Uh, but he is free himself. He is not uh, a, a finger of the uh, the Overlook in this situation. So he uh, he basically kills uh, Rose to save his, his son. And then they grow up. It turns out that uh, Danny and uh, Abra are related because Jack uh, had a dalliance with a student before he uh, left to go to the Overlook uh, because he was drunk that night. Uh, and then it was either the grandma or the mother was the i think it was the mother was the uh was his, his sister uh half sister and then we get the uh the abra being the so it's a, it's a definitely a hereditary a hereditary kind mm-hmm. of feel on there uh it, it there there was a lot of a lot more explanation now for the movie what would you give this as a uh as a rating as a rating oh my god i love this movie so i, I would give it a 7 out of 10 Psychic vampire poof deaths. Okay, I was actually going to go ahead and give it about a 7 too. Um, there's a lot, and that kind of tells you all the stuff that I was sitting there waiting for and they didn't do, but it's still a 7. It's, this is a really good movie. Well, now I want to give it an 8 out of 10 because you were going to give it a 7 and you just don't sound that I was going to give it a 6, but yeah. <gasps> oh my God. I know. So I just decided to go with you because I didn't want to have a conversation about this. Guy. <laughs> Too bad. It's um. It's gonna happen. It's a decent movie. It's really, really well done. It's got the unfortunate uh, speediness of a adapted work. You can kind of see where they were cutting corners and kind of pushing characters and stuff like that. Certain people are introduced and then dropped. Uh, the doctor, for one, uh, you know. If, oh, I did like that scene though. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Christopher Pike is the doctor. So Christopher Pike, <laughs> I like that. Uh, Captain Pike is talking to Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan explains to Captain Pike <laughs> that uh, he left his watch somewhere. So, um, the, the, the scene that I actually liked about it that I thought was really cool that they threw in there is because they have a lot of nods towards Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, Which had to so have pissed off Stephen, Stephen King. King. Yeah, Cause probably. Because it is like 90%. We just keep running into that. It's really good. But the, the, uh, so the same office, um, whenever he talks to, to, you know, Captain Pike or whatever. Um, he's in his office, and the office that they have is the same office that the superintendent was using in the in The Shining. Uh, whenever Jack first goes in to get the job, he walks into this office, and it's such, it's so weird. Like it's that that's the reason why I picked up on it is because it's such a weird layout for an office, so it just stood out. And so he's in the exact same office, and it's the same color walls and everything. I thought that was really cool. So that was a good that was a good nod towards it. There are a lot of nods, just constant nods on this thing, and it's it's interesting to see some of. Them. And if you haven't, my suggestion would be if you are gonna plan on watching this movie, definitely watch the director's cut. I, I have been told repeatedly, don't even bother with the theatrical version. Watch the director's cut or the unrated cut, uh, and then you switch over. Um, don't watch The Shining for a while. Like, watch The Shining, like, a week and then, like, give it a week. Because we did it back to back. It's not bad. I just think, like, if you had a little bit more time. Well, see, I think I caught more stuff because we just watched The Shining. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you can watch it within, like, a week. But my issue was it's, like, more sugar. Like, you know, you're, oh, here's another bag of Skittles. Oh, here's another bag of Skittles. And I was just like, I don't want any more Skittles, please. Actually, I think it's more like Skittles. No, have some more Skittles. And then Sour Patch Kids. 
eat some more Skittles. I was like, I'm done with the Skittles. Please stop giving me Skittles. I just sat through like an entire thing of Skittles. It's like, well, you need to have more Skittles. Well, here's your Sour Patch Kids with more Skittles. So I was just like, eh. It was really good. Like, I, I really liked it. And honestly, I, I think that you should give it a try, especially if you watch the director's oh, definitely. cut. The director's cut, though, I, I highly recommend because I thought it was really well done. Now, this movie had to do double duty for a lot of the different things. It had to be enough of a nod to the Kubrick version, and it also had to follow a version that didn't happen, technically. Uh, you know, the Overlook and all this other kind of stuff. So it had to adapt itself to fit the Kubrick version of The the Shining and have enough nods back to where it would actually work. And it definitely does, but what would you say in comparison? What First off, what's your rating for The Shining? Oh, well, The Shining is obviously a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. Okay, yes. we'll both we'll agree on that one. Uh, it is it is a lot longer than I expected it to be again, but it's that's the length is really the thing. There's a reason why it's on the it's it's part of the National Film Registry. Now, in comparison though, honestly, is, how how does this work as a sequel? Honestly, I feel because it's such a it's such a hard thing to make a sequel for something that did so well in the original movie. I mean, you know, Terminator 2, that's a fantastic sequel. Ghostbusters 2, I really fucking love that one. But it's really hard to make a sequel to something that was so great. And in this case, I feel like they did a pretty damn good job. I think it was lightning in a bottle for the first one. Um, but then again, that's Kubrick. That's the type of stuff he makes. Uh, so maybe I can't even say that. But it it was it's so ingrained in you that I think if you watch the first one, if you well not watch the first one, if you watch Doctor Sleep. Uh, you will have enjoyment for it because of all the repeated stuff that you'll see from everywhere else. If you've watched the Simpsons episodes and all that kind of stuff, you don't need to watch The Shining to get this, but if you want to get the most out of it, really suggest that you watch The Shining. Like I said, give it a little bit of distance. Uh, that way you, you're not getting overshined. Uh, but it's still, it's still a really good movie and it's still a good sequel for it. Again, not it is not the Kubrick movie. It can't be. You'll never get that. It is not going to be the Back to the Future 2 in this situation. But it is a good movie. Um, it's way better than some of the schlock that we've seen. Mike Flanagan, I think, does a damn good job. He did a fine job. I cannot wait to see the other stuff that he comes up with. Because you have forever... I'm forever a fa fan, Mike Flanagan. Forever a fan. I just like the fact that he had Amy Pond like screaming at somebody, but just like ha, you know, looking at the dead plants for her Oculus. Um, it's a good movie. It's a it's a it's a good fine movie. But again, you have to watch the director's cut, and if you want to get the most out of it, definitely watch The Shining. But like I said, give it a give it a while between the two. That way, you're not getting overshined. But um, what about you? Have you tried it? Did you watch it? Did you hate this movie? Did you love this movie? Was it the worst thing in the world done to an adaptation? Was it uh, a spit in the face for it? Uh, was it? Uh, did it kick Stephen King in the nuts because he doesn't know how to make a movie? How was it to you? Let us know. Reach out to us. We've already told you before, but I'm going to say it again. ESAT3AM at gmail.com. ESAT3AM.com or at ESAT3AM for the Facebook and Twitters. Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Is there a movie that you love? Is there another sequel that you love? Let us know. We want to hear from you. We sure do. Yeah, for sure. But until next time, we will talk at y'all later. Yeah, thanks for joining us for 50 episodes. 50 episodes. Woo! We've, we've got it planned out for quite a while, so yep. we'll, we'll keep making them. You just keep listening. Yep. See you soon. Later.